0: Alrighty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DealMaker Show. So I'm super, super excited with the founder that we have today. I mean, he's built many, many companies, incredible stories, incredible exits. But I guess I don't want to make anyone wait any longer. So let's welcome our guest today, Bill Smith. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad to be here with you.
0: So born in Birmingham, Alabama. So how was life growing up there?
1: It was great. I think I had a great childhood. I've always really loved Birmingham. It's a great city. It's uh got you know it's it's a great easy place to live and so I had a great uh, a great childhood here.
0: And I think that one perhaps thing that that really influenced you and and the career that you've chosen as an entrepreneur was the fact that you saw that at home early.
1: I did. So my father was an entrepreneur and uh, really his whole life and I was able to grow up seeing him build businesses the one I, that was probably the most interesting to me was uh, my father got into the wireless business, uh, at a, I think, when I was two. And so this was in the, in the early uh, or mid-80s when cellular phones were just kind of getting out in the consumer market. And so I was able to grow up seeing him build a business in that space, uh, which, was, which was really cool.
0: So then tell us about receiving your computer at five years old. I mean, I, I don't even think I got my PlayStation until I was 10. So what, what were you doing with a computer at five? My parents
1: split at an early age, and my mom uh, loved—she worked a ton. She was a, actually a medical transcriptionist. And so she uh, got a computer somehow when I was five years old, and it was a—I uh, remember it was a—I believe it was a 386 for those that uh, that were in technology back in those days— and it had DOS. And I just started playing with it. And I was instantly just attracted to technology from an early age. So I started learning how to write code. I I, I can remember writing uh, BASIC back then, and just figuring out technology. And all of that uh, experience that I had at a young age has really helped me so much uh, over the years as I've built businesses.
0: So then let's talk about building businesses. The first one came knocking when you were in high school. So I mean, how crazy is that? Tell us about this.
1: I actually had my first job when I was 11. So I always loved to work. Uh, But the first real business I had was uh, I was uh, uh, what they called an authorized agent for one of the cellular carriers, which was uh, T-Mobile back then. And so I started selling cell phones um, as a kind of an outside salesperson while I was in high school. And I was making great money. I was making a few thousand dollars a month selling these phones. And I decided I wanted to go start a business and just you know, open up my own store, basically. So I opened my own store, ended up having a second store, and that's really how I got my start uh, in the business world.
0: So whatever happened with this business?
1: So I ended up selling selling the cellular business after a few years, and, and that was fun, but it definitely wasn't the business that I wanted to build long-term. And ended up starting a company called Insight, which is a company that issues uh, payroll cards. It's kind of basically a fintech company before that term was thrown around a bunch. So uh, when, when prepaid Visa cards were just coming out and just becoming a thing, I got into that space and ended up building a company that had um, national distribution, and I sold it to Green Dot, which is a public company uh, in the space and, and I think the largest company in prepaid at the time.
0: So here is a company that you didn't raise any money for Uh, you really built from the ground up and where you actually had the exposure to seeing how the full cycle is of building, scaling and exiting a business. I mean, how was how was being able to see that from a 30,000 foot view and know that it can be done?
1: Well, it it gets easier every time. I think once once you've seen the movie, it definitely gets easier. Um, I still had a ton to learn Uh, and still do today. But at the time, you know, selling the company to a public company, um, and I was really lucky in that the the buyers were amazing. I loved working with them. They really were bought into the business and and kept all my employees and the brand and all that. So it was cool. And it was really a great experience.
0: You know, one thing that is remarkable here is that you actually didn't go to college. So you self-taught yourself everything.
1: You know, I did. I'd say I had to learn a lot of it the hard way. But, you know, I I had uh, I had great parents and, you know, that really, I think, set me up for success and being able to just get out there and figure things out. You know, my parents were always very supportive of me from a young age of going out and and figuring out businesses and supported all the curiosity I had. And, um, you know, I was kind of doing these businesses back before you know, before there was so much knowledge and talk of entrepreneurship and business. You know, I didn't really, for my first couple of companies, I didn't know anybody or have really any, any other friends that were building businesses because I was doing it at such a young age.
0: So, you know, one thing that is, that is really interesting here is that, I mean, I, I enjoy my trips to the grocery, but you had definitely one that was life-changing. So tell us what happened there.
1: Fast forward after I sold Insight, I, uh, I went to the, uh, to the grocery store to uh, Publix uh, with my newborn and one-year-old on a Sunday afternoon, and I experienced firsthand uh, the pain of grocery shopping with kids. Uh, so both of these, both of my children were crying in the grocery cart, and we're just in there trying to thinking we just got to get out of here and get back to the house and put these kids down for their naps, and in the parking lot of this public store, I, I looked at my wife and I said, you know what? I'm going to solve this problem. I'm going to figure out a way to deliver groceries to people. And that was really the beginning of, of what became shipped. Um, you know, grocery delivery had existed in the Northeast and in, in New York for a long time, but really didn't exist in the rest of America. And that was the problem I set out to solve.
0: Now, here is your third company, so you've been around the block at this time, so when you were looking into the idea and perhaps bringing it to life and validating it, what process did you follow that perhaps you had learned from your previous companies?
1: Well, one of the key pieces of this was I wanted to test and see if there was real demand for grocery delivery before I invested in building out. You know the software and hiring the team, etc. Uh, because I think a lot of people will will tell tell you that oh yeah that's a cool idea. Most people don't want to tell you the truth uh, that you know a lot of ideas aren't great ideas. And so the one way I found to kind of test demand is to see if somebody will pay me for it. You know if if people will get their credit card out, uh, that's that's a great true test of demand. And so my goal was to get a thousand people to sign up and pay for a, a one-year membership uh, for grocery delivery before we wrote the first line of code. And so we put together this super low-quality video that could, which would be able to show people what this could look like and said, look, if we get 1,000 people to sign up, we'll build it. And within three weeks, we got 1,000 people uh, in Birmingham to sign up. We didn't spend any any money on customer acquisition or anything like that—it was all through word of mouth. And uh, we went to work building it and launched it three months later.
0: Wow! So, what was that process of? You finally get this validation. You have all these people be a word of mouth. Then you know that maybe you've you've you know targeted or you've striking a nerve in the in the market. So once you are you realize that there is something there worth exploring, what do you do in order to really bring this to life? What is that process or that journey?
1: The first thing I, I would figure out is what's this what's the team going to look like? You know, I knew I had to build that that initial team that could build a product and get it launched. And when I'm building a new company, I like to get really close to the customer experience and in every detail of how that product is actually going to be executed. And with shipped, uh it the grocery business is very complex actually. Uh, and one of the biggest hurdles we had to figure out early on was how we would get, uh, ca- how we build a catalog of all of the grocery items that are in a store. So, you know, your typical grocery store has like 40,000 items in it. And so I called uh, one of the large grocery chains and said, hey, I'm I'm Bill Smith. I'm building a company to um, building a grocery marketplace and we're going to pro- provide delivery. Can we partner with you? you can guess what their answer was. Uh, No, thanks. You know, we, we have it all figured out. And so uh, I had to figure out another way to get access to this data that really did not exist on the internet. And so what we ended up deciding to do is sending in, send people into grocery stores uh, and kind of go through all these different ways of like taking cameras and taking pictures and, doing all these other things to ultimately figure out what products were available to build our first catalog.
0: So, wow. So what a what an incredible journey. So then you are figuring out, you know, what that's going to look like. And and then eventually, like when you bring this to life, I mean, what ended up being the business model so that the people that are listening get it?
1: Yeah. So the business model for shipped is it's all membership based, or at least it was at the time where you'd pay $99 per year. You would get unlimited delivery of groceries. And uh, every time you placed an order, we would send out our, our our shoppers, which are independent contractors, and they would get an order on their on their app, and they'd go in the store and pick you know the pick the perfect avocado and all the items that you order and deliver them to your home, and you'd pay for the groceries. And so between what you paid for the groceries and the membership, we were able to build a sustainable business.
0: So why do you say that perhaps say, retailers were not so welcoming? To working with you guys here?
1: Well, you know, I think it's the challenge with every large company, which is most large companies, their initial reaction is always defensive, uh, particularly when there's a new technology or a new product. And then you also have people that work inside companies, and sometimes they're not incentivized to have uh, someone else that f- has figured out how to do something that maybe they uh, thought they should have figured out, uh, if that makes any sense. And so, Uh, That's the challenge. Plus, when you when you're a large company and you have somebody that comes along and is a small entrepreneur, um, there's a lot of risk—at least a lot of perceived risk—in working with people like that. You know, you don't get fired for hiring McKinsey, uh, but you can't get fired for hiring uh, some guy from Birmingham to build a grocery delivery marketplace for you. (laughs) So, you know, that's that's kind of the way I see it.
0: Yeah, and 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 in this case, when you're like really building this. You actually invested a little bit of your money to really get this up and running, but eventually you realize that this is going to require a bit more funds. I mean, what was that moment like where you needed that? You needed a little extra muscle on the financing, and and how did you go about it?
1: Yeah, so I initially put a million dollars into Shift, and I think ultimately I, I had about three million uh, of my own capital invested, and I realized, man, I'm going to need to raise a lot of money. I'd really never raised capital from anybody before. And I had to learn how, how VC worked. Um, and so there were a few uh, VCs that were reaching out to me as, as I guess as they heard of SHIFT. Um, and, you know, we took some meetings and started doing that. And I then I realized, look, all of the capital for this is really in the Bay Area. And uh, so I traveled to San Francisco for my first time. I went out and started meeting VCs. And I probably met, I don't know, maybe... Forty or fifty different investors, and and really it was a challenging time to raise. I think this was um, the beginning of 2016. I think there was like a, I think I can remember the SaaS market had a major downturn in the public markets at the time, and then there was also other companies in the space that had raised a significant uh, amount of capital compared to where we were. But ultimately, we found a great partner uh, in Greycroft. And they backed us, and we raised twenty million dollars for our Series A.
0: So, what was the entire amount that you guys raised for Ship?
1: So, from start to finish, I believe we raised um, sixty-five million, and we only deployed uh, about thirty-five of that. So, we 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 ended up spending about thirty-five million dollars to build a business that was doing um, five hundred million in uh, revenue.
0: So it, it doesn't seem like you really needed the money then because you didn't deploy all of it. So so why did you end up raising the money?
1: Well, we ended up, we, we we needed to raise the money if we had continued as an independent company, but we literally closed our Series B about two or maybe three months before the company was sold.
0: So going back to, to what we were talking about, like all the retailers saying no, then all the time here, like, like realizing you have to raise money and going through the the, ro- the road show of really raising that financing I mean quite a quite a process with shipped I mean what was that point in time during the uh, life the lifespan of the business where you realized I think we're into something here
1: I, I knew we were onto something really from the very early days. so when we launched we launched our first city, I think in April. And within three months, we launched the next four markets, and they were all in Florida. And we had thousands of people signing up for the service, and we couldn't keep up with demand. And so I knew immediately that we were onto something. Um, And then once we started getting hitting milestones like our first million orders, and we we started to land partnerships with large retailers, you know, that's when it became clear that look, this is really going to be an enduring company.
0: And obviously, during that process, you did receive an offer that you rejected. So, so what happened with that story?
1: You know, it was, a, it, was it was kind of a it started out as a as an interesting time. So, Amazon bought Whole Foods, um, and I was actually on vacation uh, celebrating my father's birthday. And so, I, I woke up and I saw this news, and of course, I spent the whole day talking to investors and board members about what that could mean for us. And within a week, we started to take calls from large, uh, large retailers that were interested in talking to us either about joining, landing in a partnership, excuse me, shipped in a partnership or, um, or buying the company. And um, one of those companies offered us uh, a few hundred million dollars. And I can remember, uh, you know, making the phone call. To say, look, you know, really appreciate your interest, but this just doesn't work for us. We're not for sale. And that was a uh, an interesting moment because I can remember thinking that if I ever started a business that was worth a hundred million dollars, I would have reached the precipice. You know, I thought that was that was uh, you know going to be the greatest accomplishment. And so for me to get an offer at that point for well beyond that and and, and really have the support for my board and, and my team and decide, you know, look, we're just going to continue forward. Uh, that was a, that was a memorable day.
0: I mean, it sounds like a lot of zeros, right? When turning a lot, turning down a lot of zeros. I mean, how, how was that moment for you? Here you are, you know, someone that hasn't gone to college that has built this incredible business and turning down a, a, an offering the hundreds of millions. I mean, probably when you were on the line, you were like, I can't believe I'm, I'm I'm right now what I'm doing No, Is that right? I, I couldn't believe it. No, I couldn't. Um, <laughs> it, it, you
1: know, it was, it was a, it was a crazy moment because at, at that point, you know, I had to, I had to have faith that, look, this is going to play out and this is ultimately going to be a company that's much larger and much more valuable. Um, and, and my thinking on, on this has changed even since then, even since selling shipped, you know, I think that, um, you know, when I think about building companies now, I'm not interested in selling this company. You know, I don't think I'll ever sell my current business. Um, you know, I think it's much better if you can just continue to build for a very long period of time. But you really have to go into the, the company from day one with that type of mindset, I think.
0: So why did you take more seriously the time when Target called?
1: Well, first, it was Target. <laughs> uh, you know, it's Target's an amazing company and loved by so many consumers in the U.S. and uh, a, you know a really well respected brand. You know, my wife and I love our our, our loyal Target shoppers, um, and so when they called, it was it was pretty exciting. And uh, the CEO uh, flew to Birmingham and and had dinner with me, and I just knew that uh, look this is a this is a team that really gets it. You know, that they really understood where the market was going and wanted to really go big in delivery. And at the same time, uh, they wanted Shipped to remain as an independent entity and support other retailers. And that was really key to me. So, you know, I built Shipped in partnership with some really amazing uh, regional and national. Grocery retailers, and I didn't want to sell the company to uh, another player that was going to just kind of shut down the current model and just use the platform. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. So, so, so I guess being insiders here, Bill, like, what was that day like when you inked the deal, which you know ended up being reported being five hundred and fifty million?
1: So, you know, we signed the deal before it was announced, of course. And we were really heads down actually for a while, just making sure it closed. Once the deal closed, it, and we were able to announce it to our team, I mean, it, it was a, it was an amazing day. But it's also bittersweet, you know. You you've got, I had this company that my team and I put so much effort into build, and you're really selling it to the next company, and and you hope that they they do great things with it. And uh, so it's it's a mix of emotions.
0: Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that talk about having like a loss, like a loss in your family, like someone passing away uh, kind of. Um, I mean, it's just a roller coaster. So I, I I can totally get that. So so then after that, uh, you joined forces. We shipped and Target. You ended up growing the business to over two billion. And then you realize that maybe, you know, it was time to to go at it again. So how was that for you? You know, once that that
1: first anniversary of the sale came around, I started to think about, you know, really, where should I be spending my time? And I think a lot about return on time. You know, time is the only thing that, uh, that we can't get back. You know, you can always make more money, but you can't make more time. And uh, so I started to think about what was next. And I wanted to find a company that I could be excited about building for the next few decades. Um, I, I wanted to find a business that, you know, I wouldn't be selling after a few years and that I could be ex- just interested in. And so I chose real estate because it's this massive category. It's generally offline and, and pretty old school. And uh, I think that consumers want a new approach. And, and I personally had experienced uh, a huge pain point. So the first apartment I ever rented, I rented in San Francisco when I was building shipped. And I thought it would be super simple. And, you know, it was complicated. I'm having to call all these people and get cashier's checks and sign paper leases and all this kind of stuff. And so I decided to go out and solve that problem.
0: So then tell us, what was this uh, process of putting like what you what you said that you did with ship, which was putting together the team, how that would look like? I mean, here, now you really understood, you know, what a A-plus team looked like. So how did you go about then finding the right people that would join you in the journey with landing?
1: Well, I have to say it was easier with landing than it was at shipped because I had, you know, I had a track record at that point. And and so I spent, uh, but it's still still not a slam dunk. You know, it still takes a lot of time. And really, uh, you've got to have people that will trust you to leave whatever they're doing that's currently successful and kind of have faith that this new company is going to work out. So I spent a ton of time uh, building that team. Um, and I have to say, I have an, just an amazing team here at Landing and and started to work on this product uh, within four weeks of leaving shipped. so very quickly. Um, it, it's a really complex product. Uh, we're solving a really complex problem, which people are interested in joining. So it's been been really exciting.
0: So tell us about the business model. What is the, how do you guys make money with Landing?
1: Yeah, so let me tell you first what the experience is. So Landing is living as a service. So instead of going out and signing a one-year lease and having to uh, own furniture that you constantly move around from apartment to apartment and paying deposits and all that kind of stuff, you could just opt to be a landing member. Uh, It's $199 per year, and that gets you access to our network of apartments that's in 78 cities across the U.S. And so once you're a member, you just open the app and you pick the apartment that you want to live in. You show up, it's fully furnished with our exclusive line of furniture that's all designed by our team, and it's amazing. It's, it's, it's kind of, I've always kind of wanted to live at the Four Seasons. like that's I've always loved that kind of thought, and this is essentially that. You go to go live in this amazing apartment, but you don't have any of the headaches or hassles, and then you get the flexibility to move to a new neighborhood or if you want to take a job in a new city or live in Miami for six months. You just open up your app, you choose your next place, and you show up and live.
0: Wow. That's pretty cool. So, I mean, obviously, you know, the future, the future of living. I mean, now, especially with the with everything that we've seen in, you know, with COVID and so forth, I mean, I'm sure that there is all types of shifts and movements that, that you guys are seeing as well, no, with lending.
1: Yeah. Look, this is the future of living. I, I think that really is the way that this should, th- that, that people are, want to live. And I thought it would take a decade for the mindset to kind of shift this direction, but Covid has really accelerated that, where people have realized, you know, look, I can work from anywhere now, and I think the genie's out of the bottle on remote work. I think people are going to have that flexibility and uh, the, and and you need a platform that can support that. And the existing marketplace really doesn't fulfill this need. Today in the way that it needs to be filled. And so landing, you know, we were luckily just kind of in the right place at the right time and have benefited um, from all the change that's happening in the way that people live now.
0: Yeah, and definitely even with concierge services. I mean, you don't get that uh, in the normal living. So definitely four season style. I used to try it out. It's pretty awesome. (laughs) Very cool. So, so why, why did you guys decide to raise money? I mean, it seems that after all those exits that you had under your belt, I'm sure that, you know, it was not a problem for you to just finance this thing. So, so why getting outside capital?
1: Well, look, uh, I think outside capital, uh, it does a lot of things for you. First, it's, it's not just about the money. It's about the people. And, you know, I found that uh, the partners that I've had that have invested in, in shipped and invested in Landing, um, they have been tremendously helpful in just thinking about the strategy and recruiting talent and, and the validation that's provided there. So I found that to be huge. And, uh, and look, this is a business that, you know, at, this, at the rate it's growing, it needs a lot of capital. And so it's nice to have uh, other people that are on the team and, and helping out to, to create a great, uh, great business.
0: So I'm sure that you really knew the kind of investors that you wanted for this, no? the type of network, the type of um, perhaps engagement or interactions that you were going to have with them and how you were going to have them work for you at a board level, not you reporting to them, now which is what, what happens, unfortunately, in many boards. But but in this case, why did you decide to go for, let's say, Mabron or Greycroft or even Foundry Group?
1: So I like to build relationships with people over a long period of time. and. Uh, you know when i think about my history everyone that's invested in me with in the past has always come along to the next thing so uh graycroft invested in ship they were the f- they were the first investor in landing my partner dan Levitan at at uh, maveron he invested in in ship as well and so i build relationships with people and uh, and i really like to work with those people over a very long period of time
0: so one thing that i find really amazing you know from your journey is that You've jumped from one sector to the other, like completely different. I mean, you do first fintech, then you go grocery. Now you're going to uh, real estate. Uh, I mean, how how do you get up to speed in, in a completely new environment and a new industry?
1: Well, I, I love doing this. I mean, the first thing I say is uh, I after I've built a company, I would never go back and do anything close to it ever again. Because once you know all the problems and how hard it is, you never want to deal with it again, or at least I never want to deal with it again. So I like I like the switching. And I think going in uh, kind of naive, uh, naively into a new business actually is, uh, is the only way that uh, most people would be willing to do it. Because if you knew how hard it was going to be, you might not do it in the first place. But uh, the way I like to figure things out is I literally just get I go down to the transaction level. That's what I do. I like to figure out how does this transaction actually work? Who are the participants? How does the money move? What are the contracts? I I get down to that level in every business and then I build it from there um, once I've identified that there's demand for it.
0: So one of the things that I'd like to expand on, because I think that it affects you know, most of the people that are, I mean, probably all the people that are listening to us here is that with COVID, and you are alluding to it, now you don't need to go, let's say, to New York City to sit down on your desk and live close to the office where it's probably a shoebox. Now, perhaps you can do it remote. You can perhaps uh, go to the office from time to time. And you know that's going to be, I think that the companies that don't offer the remote work they're gonna play at a disadvantage against others. But what do you think is going to be that world that we're gonna be living into, where where essentially you know things happen remote and you can live wherever you want?
1: So I think it's going to be a mix. You know, I don't think that we'll be all in on 100% remote work for everyone. I think it'll depend on the role that you're in. Uh, but the model that seems to be playing out will be a model where there's, you can live in in a bunch of different cities, work with the same company. And I think larger companies will have uh, multiple regional offices. So, you know, maybe you you used to work in the Bay Area now you live in Austin, but your company has an office there. And maybe you go in the office a couple of days, two, three days a week and work from home the other days. I think it's just going to look more flexible, but I do think there is immense value from being in person, uh, and uh, you know, still to this day, nobody has been able to replicate that experience. And so, I think it will be more of a mix.
0: Mm. So, and in in Landing's case, how how big is Landing today? I mean, what's the what's the scope or the size or anything that you can share in terms of maybe number of employees or anything else for the people that are listening to really understand how big Landing is today.
1: Yeah, so we have 10,000 apartments in our network today um, in the U.S., and we have about 500 people that work with us, uh, either employees or contractors across the country.
0: That's amazing. So imagine you go to sleep tonight, Bill, and tremendous news. You wake up five years later. I mean imagine I mean you've been an entrepreneur of your life you probably don't even sleep you work in your sleep bill, but you wake up five years later in a world where the vision of landing is fully realized. What does that world look like uh
1: look, I think that at that point landing is uh is ubiquitous with uh with living you know I think it's as as simple as you know today if you were you know going to order food delivery you know there's there's you might have your favorite one that you you trust and you're going to go there and you get you you get what you want and I think that'll be the same experience with landing, where at that point anybody that's thinking about renting an apartment or moving to the next city will just open up their landing app and and they'll choose where they want to be and and they'll show up and it'll be amazing.
0: I love it. Definitely sounds amazing. So so Bill, one of the questions that I that I ask the guests that come on the show is if you had the opportunity to go into a time machine and we're bringing you back to Birmingham, Alabama, to that point where in high school you were about to build your first thing. Let's say you had that ear from that younger Bill. I mean, obviously our younger selves never listened, but they imagine that younger Bill was listening. And you have the opportunity to give yourself one piece of advice before launching a business. What would that be and why knowing what you know now?
1: It would be focus on getting the best talent from day one. You know, that's 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 one of the things that I've learned and seen play out is if I can just have the best people on our team and always be building that amazing uh, talent, that's uh, that's going to be the best advice. That's
0: what I'd tell myself. And I guess just to expand on this, what has been your biggest lesson around people?
1: Well, I think people are all the difference. You know, I think I, I've always said I like to build businesses in a people first way. And I think, look, it all comes down to people. So, um, and it's not just having the best people, it's it's how you treat people and, uh, and the culture around that. And, you know, that's one of the things that one of the common links across particularly ship and landing is that we've been able to use to differentiate is just we have amazing frontline people. And uh, the way that the culture you build there with with frontline is, is key. You know, so everyone talks about having a great experience for engineers and uh, people like that, but what is it like for, you know, the person that's shopping for groceries or uh, cleaning apartments? And if I can create an environment where that person is valued and appreciated and, and uh, has uh, upward mobility, like that's, that's a great outcome for everybody. And that's how you build the best experience for your customers.
0: I love it. I love it, Bill. So for the folks that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi? Yeah, they can shoot me a message, Bill, at Hello Landing. That's amazing. Very easy. Well, Bill, thank you so much for being on the DealMaker Show today.
1: It was awesome to be with you. Thank you so much. I'll see you soon.
0: If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself,